the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Now, um, I'm wondering, um, Clark, can we postpone the start of the show? I haven't finished my cookie. You know when you eat a cookie and there's... Okay, let me just get that. Oh, yeah, this is good. Mm, oatmeal, raisins. Okay, I think I can, I think I can do it. Uh, boy, that's so good. We have a programmer. Every time she comes in, she leaves a big batch of cookies. And it's just it's temptation beyond what I am able to resist. They're big, they're fresh, they're chewy. Anyway... Glad to have you with us on this Friday afternoon. It is Fun Friday on the Georgine Rice Show with a twist. We are going to uh, focus on some of the day's headlines before we make that transition, that shift, if you will, into the lighter side of the news. So hope you'll stick around for that. Also want to remind you, we are going to give away a pair of tickets to C.S. Lewis on stage. Yeah, that's coming up August the 2nd and the 3rd. These tickets are for the Friday night performance. That's August the 2nd. 8 o'clock p.m. at the Newmark Theater. And we'll give you more details at that time. But uh, just to give you a heads up, it will be in the 5 o'clock hour, early in the 5 o'clock hour. Please make a note of it because it might uh, make the difference for you coming to what I'm certain will be a great performance. C.S. Lewis. What's the full name here? Let me find my notes here. C.S. Lewis on stage, the most reluctant convert. Again, these tickets are for Friday, August the 2nd, Newmark Theater, on Broadway in Portland. Okay, first to look at the news. Tension between the U.S. and Iran have, has been gradually rising for weeks, and President Trump announced to, yesterday, rather, that a U.S. Navy ship downed an Iranian drone in the Strait of Hormuz. Only further strained relations between the two countries. The president said the USS Boxer took defensive action after the drone closed in to within 1,000 yards of the warship and ignored multiple calls to stand down and act the president called provocative and hostile. Meanwhile, Iran on Friday denied the president's statement. We have not lost any drone in the Strait of Hormuz nor anywhere else. That was a tweet from Deputy Foreign Minister Abbas something else. Well, according to Jim Hansen, president of Security Studies Group, who served in the U.S. Army Special Forces, the U.S. sent an important message to Iran. Aggression has consequences and America will strike back when provoked. The president is not uh, former President Obama and will not be compromised by a flawed nuclear deal. We'll tell you more about what happened today and since the downing of that Iranian drone in just a few moments. Progressive lawmakers on Thursday grilled the acting Homeland Security Secretary about family separations at the U.S.-Mexico border with one member of the squad, as they are called, alleging that Trump administration officials want to prolong the detention of children. Now, it's interesting to me that the power to make these necessary changes are in the hands of those very members and they've failed to act. But so there's a lot of blame to, uh, to throw around. Um, but um, let's see. Uh, 
Representative Rashida Tlaib uh, at a House Oversight Committee hearing accused Acting Homeland Security Secretary Kevin McLeanan and fellow administration officials of trying to change the longstanding agreement known as the Flores Settlement that governors uh, that governs rather how immigrant children can be detained to keep kids longer in custody. McLean denied the accusations, explaining that he wanted to keep families together for the time necessary it takes for immigration proceedings to go through and for the justice system to make a ruling on the case. Democrats have slammed the detention as inhumane, while many Republicans have accused the, Dem- the uh, Democrats of hypocrisy, saying they were silent about similar detentions under the Obama administration. And President Trump yesterday, or rather last night, announced he's nominating attorney Gene Scalia, a son of the late Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, to replace Alex Acosta as Secretary of Labor. The surprise move was a visible manifestation of the close personal bond the president had forged with Scalia, the family, in recent years. The confirmation process for Justice Neil Gorsuch, who ultimately filled Justice Scalia's seat, sparked the connection. Acosta stepped down as head of the Labor Department last Friday over his past involvement in the cushy 2008 plea deal for financier Jeffrey Epstein, who's now facing federal sex trafficking charges and has been detained. U.S. Representative Ilhan Omar, Democrat out of Minnesota, as if I needed to say that, proposed a resolution this week supporting the right to boycott Israel, likening the boycott of the Jewish state to boycotts of Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union. Her resolution seeks to push back against U.S. laws banning the boycott of Israel and affirms the right of the American people to organize boycotts of foreign countries if they so wish. While the resolution doesn't explicitly name Israel or the pro-Palestinian boycott, divestment and sanctions, or BDS, Uh, movement. She told media outlets that the resolution concerns the Jewish state. Jay Sekulow and Mark Goldfeder, two members of the president's legal team, argue that Omar's measure deserves to go down to overwhelming bipartisan defeat. And some Democrats have already come forward saying it has absolutely no chance of succeeding. Meanwhile, Tom Cruise may soon fly high at the box office once again. The veteran movie star surprised fans and San Diego Comic-Con on Thursday to promote his long-awaited, much-anticipated upcoming sequel, Top Gun Maverick. In the new trailer, it's um, revealed that Cruz's iconic character, Pete Maverick, Mitchell, uh, I guess is his last name, is going to serve as the new flight instructor of the Top Gun school and is seen wearing his inf- uh, infamous Ray-Ban sunglasses as he faces off against a new enemy, drones. And according to The Washington Times, President Trump on Thursday disavowed the send her back chant that some of his campaign supporters directed at Somali born Representative Ilhan Omar, saying he tried to stop it. I was not happy with it. I disagree with it. The president told reporters at the White House. I didn't like that. They did it. As a side note, Omar, a 2015, uh, used the phrase our nation back home while speaking to the Revolution uh, Somali Youth League for what it's worth. Trump, uh, uh, well, I mentioned that already, but Sec- the Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin said on Thursday that the administration has reached a deal with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi on top-line spending numbers for a two-year budget deal. Mnuchin's comment means they've worked out a deal on what the overall spending levels will be for defense and non-defense spending, which are used by lawmakers to write government funding bills. Presidential candidate Senator Bernie Sanders has pledged to American workers that he would institute a $15 an hour minimum wage if he wins the White House in 2020. But unionized workers on Sanders' own campaign say they wish he would start now by paying a higher wage to them. According to a report, members of Sanders' staff have been using the senator's own campaign rhetoric against him as they try to wrestle more money from the self-described Democratic Socialist.
We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back in just a few moments. Uh, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. 20 minutes after 4 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, brought to you in part today by Zero Res. We're going through the long, tedious, arduous list of uh, some of the headline news, and then we'll spend the remainder of the day focusing on the lighter side of the news, and we'll be giving away a pair of tickets to C.S. Lewis on stage, the most reluctant convert. That's coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Well, the Democrat-led House voted to raise the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour, more than double the current rate of $7.25, and the first proposed increase in decades. The legislation, approved 231 to 199, now goes to the Republican-led Senate, which is not expected to take it up. Uh, The best way to fix the U.S. Armed Forces recruiting challenges may involve dipping further into the nation's high schools as the Army, Navy, and other services contend with a thriving economy and a directive to expand their ranks. There is a growing debate over whether the military should consider lowering the minimum enlistment age from 17 to 16. And let's see here. Netflix's uh, latest quarterly report shows the streaming service giant experienced a chill in growth With its first quarter loss, uh, quarterly loss of paid domestic subscribers in eight years, the dip in subscriptions came in the same quarter as Netflix's decision to take a stance against Georgia's pro-life heartbeat bill. And a federal judge on Thursday denied bail to wealthy investor Jeffrey Epstein, citing the potential danger of new victims from his apparently uncontrollable fixation on young girls and the risk that Epstein would flee to avoid prosecution for child sex trafficking charges. And... um, New York firefighters, in fact, one in particular, Richard Driscoll, died on Wednesday, becoming the 200th New York firefighter to pass away from a 9-11 related illness, just as the Senate was attempting to agree on an extension of the September 11th Victim Compensation Fund. And the U.K., most notably London, has experienced a sharp increase in knife-related crime despite knife control efforts to curb the violence. Newly released figures uh, detail knife crime in both England and Wales is up 8 percent from April of 2018 to May of 2019. U.K. police report that from 43 departments recorded 47,136 incidents involving sharp objects. An Office of National Statistics uh, crime reported Hmm, I tell you, it's in the heart of a man. He'll use whatever is available um, to perpetrate a crime. On this day in 1961, TWA becomes the first airline to begin showing regularly scheduled in-flight movies to first-class passengers on a flight from New York to Los Angeles. On this day in 1969, Apollo 11 and its astronauts, Neil Armstrong, Edwin Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins go into orbit around the moon. And on this day in 1980, the Moscow Summer Olympics began minus dozens of nations, including the United States, boycotting the games because of the Soviet military intervention in Afghanistan. And in 1985, Krista McAuliffe of New Hampshire is chosen to be the first school teacher to ride aboard the space shuttle. McAuliffe and six other crew members would die when the Challenger exploded shortly after liftoff in January of 1986. Uh, The space program. Well, more than 200 million Americans in parts of the central and eastern U.S. will experience temperature indexes of over 100 degrees Fahrenheit as a heat wave is expected to slam at least 29 states over the weekend. 
Temperatures have been heating up, but officials are now warning that the hottest weather has yet to come as more than 100 local heat records are expected to fall on Saturday, according to the National Weather Service. An excessive heat warning was issued for parts of Ohio early on Friday morning and is expected to continue until at least 8 p.m. on Saturday. Cities like Toledo, Cleveland and Fremont will see an index, which is what the temperature will feel like, as high as 110 degrees with the highest index occurring in the late afternoon and early evening. High humidity and poor air quality are also expected as residents are being asked to stay indoors, avoid outdoor activity or extended exposure to the heat. Further out west, Omaha, Omaha, Nebraska, people can um, expect to see a temperature index as high as 117 degrees Fahrenheit. And again, that's what it feels like, not the actual temperature, with a similar excessive heat warning in effect until Saturday night. More than 200 million people in the central and eastern U.S. in total will experience temperatures in the mid to high 90s with little to no relief overnight, as at least 29 states from Arizona to New York seeing an index of over 100 degrees. High-pressure system stretching from coast to coast is keeping the heat turned on. The heat and humidity are made to feel worse by the large amount of moisture in the air coming from the Gulf of Mexico, much of it left from Hurricane Barry. And Democratic presidential candidates, uh, Marion Williamson, from uh, former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper, former tech executive Andrew Yang, South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg, former Vice President Joe Biden, Senator Bernie Sanders, and Senator Kamala Harris. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, Senator Michael Bennett, and Representative Eric Swalwell uh, are taking part in the second night of the first Democratic presidential debate on June, uh, I should say, July 27th. In the, uh, and CNN made rather a, uh, a splash in making the announcement of who is going to be where. Although the dynamics of the race are remarkably fluid, the draw leaves um, Sanders and Biden missing an opportunity to confront one another. That's in part because they'll again be separated from each other. Both seem to be relishing their ongoing clash over health care, but they won't have a chance to duke it out on the debate stage and grab the headlines they both want. Mark the date, July 31st. Joe Biden finally gets his own Senate Judiciary Committee hearing, tweeted Michael Tyler, spokesman for the Booker um, campaign. For Biden to rematch, uh, rather a rematch uh, with Harris, risks another long conversation about his complicated record on race. Booker, too, will likely see an um, opportunity to hit Biden over his past comments about working with segregationist senators. But for Biden, it could be an opportunity to make strong a strong showing after a shaky first debate performance. The first night's debate will feature most of the Democratic field's moderate voices alongside Sanders and Warren, the race's two top progressive candidates. Delaney, Hickenlooper, Ryan, Bullock and Klobuchar are all more moderate, uh, the most candidates uh, running for president. And the fact that Warren and Sanders will also be uh, stage uh, on stage on Tuesday night gives each candidate a chance to burnish the moderate credibility by attacking a top progressive. The mix of moderates and progressives gives candidates like Buttigieg and O'Rourke, two candidates further left than most, but not as far left as Sanders and Warren, a chance to prove themselves as progressive. And the uh, uh, the lineup uh, will begin for this second block of uh, of debate. Again, on the 30th of July, Bullock, Buttigieg, Delaney, Hickenlooper, Klobuchar, O'Rourke, Ryan, Sanders, Warren, and Williamson. Whew. And on July the 31st, the candidates who will debate are Bennett, Biden, Booker, Castro, de Blasio, Gabbard, Gillibrand, Harris, Inslee, and Yang. 
The most important thing to remember, um, by the way, is just that the dates are the 30th and 31st of this month. In order to qualify for the third and fourth uh, set of debates in September and October, respectively, candidates will now have to achieve 2% in four polls from a slightly changed list of approved pollsters and receive 130,000 unique donors from the date of their campaign's creation, including 400 unique donors per state in at least 20 U.S. states. But for now, that's the lineup for the debate. Well, CNN finally revealed that lineup for its upcoming uh, debate, but the elaborate primetime special is already proving unpopular with voters. With much fanfare, the left-leaning network revealed who would take the stage on which night uh, later this month. Uh, and uh, it was the network's way of getting to those final lists that had many shaking their heads. Well, during the draw special, as they called it, the 20 eligible candidates were split between uh, three tiers and then divided among the tiers. Three CNN hosts then randomly selected each candidate and the night that they'd appear on from uh, two set boxes, one that had the candidates and one that had the debate nights. This was meant to prevent an uneven spread of candidates, which took place with the NBC debates when Warren was placed on a stage with four of the other uh, Democratic uh, front runners, Biden, Sanders, Harris, Buttigieg, were placed on the other. Well, CNN, however, was brutally mocked by viewers. Slate writer Ashley Feinberg said it was the stupidest thing I've ever seen, while others like journalist Yashir Ali joked that he had accidentally switched to the game show network. Others called it nonsense and idiotic. Warren will be sharing the stage for the first time with two other front runners, Sanders and Buttigieg, as I mentioned. Meanwhile, there will be high anticipation of a potential slugfest between Harris and Biden after the California senator went after the former vice president last time around. And as I mentioned, Iran seized two British-operated oil tankers in the Strait of Hormuz on Friday, marking a fresh escalation of tension between Tehran and the West. The U.K.-flagged Steno Impero, which has a crew of 23 aboard, was approached by unidentified small crafts and a helicopter during transit of the Strait of Hormuz while the vessel was in international waters. The shipping company that owns the vessel said in a statement, we are presently unable to contact the vessel, which is now heading north toward Iran with 23 aboard. Iran's Revolutionary Guard forces in a statement on their website say the ship was seized for noncompliance with international maritime laws and regulations and is being brought to an unnamed Iranian port, according to the Associated Press. Websites tracking the ship's path show it, uh, it turning sharply in the direction of Iran's uh, uh, Keshem Island instead of its intended destination of Saudi Arabia. We have since learned that there is a second uh, craft that has also been uh, apprehended by the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. More to come in that developing story. 30 minutes after 4 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. 36 minutes after 4 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, brought to you in part today by Liberty Coin and Currency. Well, it's an ominous warning for any would-be alien hunters. The U.S. Air Force is standing at the ready to protect Area 51. Well, it all started with a tongue-in-cheek Facebook event to storm Area 51 and see them aliens. Those are quotes, by the way. It's now attracted almost a million attendees launching a cavalcade of memes and excuse me, hilarity, not seen before the Yanni and Laurel incident of 2018. 
However, a spokeswoman for the U.S. Air Force discouraging the would-be raiders from coming into the area in a statement to the Washington Post said it's really no joke. Area 51, which is a remote and highly classified installation that forms part of Nellis Air Force Complex in Nevada, has long captured the attention of conspiracy theorists because of the intense secrecy surrounding its purpose. Speculation runs rampant that uh, alien technology may be hidden within the base, which is why in the year 2019, we now have a meme-fueled Facebook event to finally get inside. If we uh, naturo run, we can move faster than their bullets. Reads the event description referring to naturo Uzumaki, the spiky-haired ninja from the Japanese uh, uh, series Naturo. Or Naruto. I think it's Naruto. As the science editor of CNET, it's important for me to add a disclaimer here. The Naruto run does not allow you to run faster than bullets. And even if it did, the U.S. Air Force is ready to respond to any potential human invasion. Well, speaking to the Washington Post on Friday, U.S. Air Force spokeswoman Laura McAndrews said the Air Force is aware of the event before issuing an ominous warning to anyone who may try to mimic a Japanese anime ninja as they storm the facility. The U.S. Air Force always stands ready to protect America and its assets. And those assets include Area 51. The Air Force didn't immediately respond uh, with details of how that response might uh, take shape, but the Facebook event is scheduled to take place on September 20th. Uh, The raid is just a wonderful use of Facebook's event planning platform to produce a meme we can all get behind. Uh, says the uh, originator. I feel it's important to stress this is not a legitimate attempt to overpower the might of the U.S. military at an active Air Force complex where the Army forces are stationed. So says the original writer of the tongue-in-cheek Facebook event post, Storm Area 51. So if you had plans uh, for September 20th to make your way there, don't. End of that story. Well, believe it or not, one man remains on the moon. Okay, he's buried there, but one man is buried on the moon. His name is Eugene Shoemaker, and he pioneered planetary science. Well, since time immemorial, cultures all across the surface of the Earth have seen a face in the side of the moon facing us. Curiosity, getting the better of us, all sorts of legends and fables have been written about who the man in the moon is and how he got there. Dante wrote that the uh, fratricidal Cain was banished to the moon. In Chinese traditions, the goddess of the moon, Chang's winds, um, uh, somehow ended up on the moon after drinking an immortality elixir. Of course, all fable. Uh, The first man on the moon, however, was Neil Armstrong in 1969. He, along with the other astronauts of the Apollo 11 mission, explored the lunar surface and collected samples to bring back to the Earth. These samples were of particular interest of, uh, the, to the man, rather, who would eventually end up interred on the moon. Eugene Shoemaker is often credited with uh, inventing the field of planetary science, trained as a geologist. He melded his discipline with astronomy, using the great sp- uh, space race to study the surfaces of the moon's planets and co- uh, comets. He trained the astronauts headed to the moon and even sat next to Walter Cronkite on air as a NASA spokesperson on the status of the moon mission. He named many of the craters, valleys, and mountains on the moon. His contributions proved so great that he even has a whole comet named after him. In 1994, Comet Shoemaker, Levy 9, gained worldwide attention because it crashed into Jupiter. Well, this impact eventually led to scientists realizing that Jupiter acted as an important vacuum cleaner for debris 
that could otherwise pose a threat to the Earth. Well, Shoemaker spent much of his later years trekking across the globe to find impact craters that had gone unnoticed. Tragically, one of these trips ended in a fatal car crash. Eventually, Shoemaker's ashes were sealed in a metal cylinder and sent to the moon. His wife, Carolyn, who had made many discoveries alongside her husband, had an I had an, uh, an imagination of the Hale-Bopp comet inscribed on the um, on the outsider, had an image inscribed there, along with a quote from Romeo and Juliet. Well, since his ashes were interred on the moon, Shoemaker has remained the only person ever buried on an extraterrestrial surface. Many companies have offered space burials inspired by science fiction show like shows like Star Trek. Most of these capsules are launched into low Earth orbit. Those ashes end up, well, falling into the atmosphere soon after they burn up. Um, but for Mr. Schumacher, he's actually interred right there on the surface of the planet. Well, we've talked about the end of one life. Let's talk about the second year birthday of another. Happy birthday, loser. That's what the cake read for this two-year-old's epic cake fail. She was in shock for a moment, but once that wore off, Melon Jones could do, all she could do was laugh. Well, obviously the two-year-old didn't read the inscription on the cake, but her mom did. Because really, what else are you going to do when your two-year-old's birthday cake reads, Happy Birthday Loser? Little Elizabeth Joan goes by the nickname Liz. The family who loves her calls her Lizard. And that was the confusion when it came to the cake the uh, Missouri mom ordered from a local Walmart. I asked the lady behind the counter if she would write happy birthday lizard on the cake. She said, sure, grab the cake. And a few minutes later, it came back. She said she didn't look at it when it was handed back to her. No real reason. I was kind of in a hurry. And I guess I thought there would be no problems with something so simple. She told Good Morning America. Well, Mom Jones said that... uh, she was highly uh, offended. She always, almost thought it was funny, but decided, why get upset? She said that she didn't want anyone at the Walmart to get into trouble, knew it was a simple miscommunication, so she let the whole incident go, although now it was featured on Good Morning America. I was a little speechless at first, but I died laughing after the shock wore off, she says. As for little Liz, she's too young to know what the cake said or really even understand it was her birthday, Jones says. And she did get a new cake, one that said, Happy Birthday, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Jones and her dad with their birthday cake had a wonderful time. Jones is sure that when Liz gets older, she'll appreciate the comical mistake. I think Liz will find it hilarious, as did her mom. Happy birthday, loser. Uh, The moral of the story is when you're ordering a cake and you're asking specifically for an inscription on the cake, either write it out as legibly as possible or be sure to enunciate. Happy birthday, Lizard case solved. A boy in uh, Brigham City, Utah, had a marketing strategy so good people called the cops on him. I mean, isn't that what generally happens? Well, the boy uh, was seen pictured holding a, a sign. In fact, it was posted to Facebook by the Brigham City Police. This young rogue, uh, the, the police department shows him holding a sign that says ice cold beer. But in very small letters that were not legible from any distance, it said root. Ice-cold root beer. Yes, the kid was selling root beer. Well, the police captioned the photo saying, This young man in the area of 600 South, 200 East has a twist on a lemonade stand. Yep, he's selling beer. Root beer, that is. His marketing strategy has resulted in several calls to the police department, but apparently it's paid off. His business has been booming. 
Well, it appears that the boy uh, is selling his ice-cold root beer in front of a church. So apparently he's not quite the rogue that uh, some of his neighbors thought him to be. 45 minutes after 4 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Back, ladies and gentlemen, in a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. 51 minutes after 4 o'clock, you're listening to the Friday edition of The Georgine Rice Show. Clark Hilton is engineering. By the way, we want to invite you to the 93.9 KPDQ presentation of Gospel Sing Live. It's coming soon on Friday, August the 16th, 7 p.m. at Riverfront Park in Salem. You can come and hear some of your favorite Southern gospel artists, including the Booth Brothers Tribute Quartet, West Hampton, of Gaither Vocal Band fame. You can enjoy listening on the lawn with your blanket or your chair or choose reserved seating with chairs provided. Bring your family, your friends, your church group, or give a gift to someone you know who has uh, their anniversary or birthday coming up. To get tickets, you can go to kpdq.com for all the important details. And we are going to be giving away tickets for that very thing. Listen to the Georgine Rice Show next week for a chance to win four packs of tickets. There, I should say, four packs of tickets to the gospel saying we'll be giving those away on several days coming up. So looking forward to, uh, to that, huh? Huh? Gospel sing. In fact, I think both Clark and I are going to be, uh, be there for, uh, the start of the show from the stage. So we'll have an opportunity to see Clark. Oh, he's a stunningly handsome young man, beautiful daughter, lovely wife. All right. Uh, let's see a baby boy, baby Google, A baby boy in Indonesia that was reportedly given the unique name of Google received a goodie bag from the tech giant after the story of his name went viral. Now, maybe in Indonesia, Google isn't, you know, an odd name to name a child. Maybe it fits in with the culture. But Ella Karina, the mother of the baby, didn't want to list every item given to her, uh, her son. According to Asia One, there are a few items, she said, but Google Indonesia sent the items, including a jumper branded with the company's logo. Oh, according to the news outlet, mom Karina said at first she didn't agree with her husband's idea to name their son after the American tech giant based in Mountain View, California. However, she became more accepting of the notion after the positive response they received. The baby boy was born to Karina and her husband, Andy Saputra, in Indonesia's West Java. So Google, little boy's name is Google. Now, you know, when you're naming children, you need to think not only about, oh, this would be kind of clever and cute and fun for us. You have to think about that kid at five, at seven, at 10, and what other kids are likely to say to him or about him. Let's hope in Indonesia, they're not quite as cruel as they can be elsewhere. Well, Kansas raised uh, Brenna Clemen had a special request for her wedding day. She wanted her 83-year-old grandmother to be her flower girl. Well, that became a reality when Cleman got married uh, to her, well, fiancé, Brock Kendall, in April. And her grandmother wore a specially chosen maroon dress with pearls as she threw pink petals into the air in pure joy. Well, Brenna Clemen asked her 83-year-old grandmother to be the flower girl at the uh, wedding. Grandma, as she prefers to be called, and because she didn't want to share her identity, said that after her granddaughter asked her to be the flower girl, she immediately started to research the job. She wanted to make sure she gave her granddaughter the best day ever. 
I felt excited and blessed to be there, said Grandma, speaking to Good Morning America. A registered nurse, her granddaughter, is an intensive care unit nurse. She got the idea to ask her grandmother to be part of the ceremony from a patient. I was taking care of a patient who was a flower girl for her granddaughter's wedding. It inspired me so much, she says, I wanted to include my grandmother in my special day. Well, that had to have been a special day for Grandma, who never in a million years could have imagined that she'd be a part of her granddaughter's wedding. Well, Clemens said that although Grandma was extra nervous on her wedding day, not her wedding day, but her granddaughter's wedding day, everyone cheered as she scattered those petals. The whole congregation just could not stop smiling when they watched Grandma walk down the aisle. She got a very a little teary-eyed herself. She wanted to make sure that she did um, an okay job. When photographing uh, weddings, Thomas Feltz usually captures unpredictable young flower girls who throw petals in front of brides with long veils. But Clemens' grandmother, although not as unpredictable in temperament, was no exception. Once in a blue moon, I'll get the uh, get through uh, my viewfinder and see a picture that automatically stands out. That was an adrenaline rush shot, the 83-year-old grandmother. I hope it makes people stop and think to call important people in their lives, the photographer went on to say. It's a nice reminder to stop where you are, think about who's important to you, reach out and make those connections. Well, Clemen grew up just two miles from her grandmother's home in Derby, Kansas. Now Clemen and Kendall, her husband, live only 20 minutes away from her in Wichita. Throughout the years, Clemen says uh, that she always had been inspired by her grandparents' love. I think their marriage is filled with happiness, trust, and love. Clemens' grandparents have been married for 63 years. She said that although they can't go dancing together anymore, her grandpa, her grandma rather, brings her husband's walker to a, a dancing venue so that he can still watch her dance. That's what I want my marriage to be like. What struck stuck out rather for Clement and Kendall was grandma's strength as uh, her husband was, has been sick for a while. It was grandma's positive attitude that brought him up. Uh, Brought him up, she added. Grandma um, has always put family first, and she's there for all of us. The family said the widely circulated image of Grandma is a reminder that weddings don't need to be to follow traditional standards. Age doesn't matter, said the groom. Grandma's 83 years young, and in the fo- picture, she's often uh, off the ground jumping and throwing flowers. Literally, she's jumping and throwing flowers. It's very sweet. Anyway, uh, Grandma enjoyed the viral fame. She says people really need a positive story, so she's happy that she got to be the part of one. It's a very sweet story and an even sweeter picture. Well, speaking of, well, things that have been around for a while, seasons change, but the old rusty Cadillac parked on Brooklyn Street remains the same, or at least remained the same. According to estimates by a longtime neighborhood resident, it's been there since 1994. That's 25 years if you don't want to do the math. 25 years later, the 1971 Caddy made its final run being towed away by the New York Police Department after a Windsor Park resident finally complained. The New York Daily News reports the vehicle was a local landmark. It was owned by an elderly man reportedly suffering from mental illness who was unable to take care of it. According to local residents, interestingly, the 1970s sedan had a current New York inspection sticker. After a recent complaint, however, the car was ticketed by a street cleaner and shortly after towed to the NYPD's Erie Basin Auto Pound. It's a safety hazard, one woman who moved into the neighborhood of Prospect Park three years ago told the Daily News. My children walk by it every day. It needs to go away. Another neighbor added everybody had to move except, you guessed it, this Cadillac is even above uh, films. No, uh, No ticket and no tow. 
No one was actually sure when the car was last moved from its location. New Park rules couldn't relocate the caddy. And even a recent uh, city filming permit that asked all residents to move their cars couldn't change anything. The luxury sedan from decades ago it was stuffed with from floor to roof with yellow newspapers and empty water bottles. However, not everyone was happy when the vehicle was towed by the city. That car is a staple in this community, said one neighbor that goes by the name of Jake. Those who gawk at it and want to get rid of it aren't real Brooklynites. 25 years, an old, rusty, pretty much trash-filled Cadillac finally moved from its perch. Well, an Uber glitch uh, moving the decimal point over two spaces caused several riders to be charged eye-popping fares this week or 100 times the original amount. So what's in a decimal point? Maybe 9,672 Uber rides? dollars for Uber rides. Well, after users took to social media earlier this week, Uber cropped to the uh, a copped rather to the problem and said it would work with banks and credit card users to resolve the payment problems. Well, duh. Tech worker Aaron Heimelin, he uh, tweeted at the company uh, on Wednesday saying his wife would charge $10,000 for a fare. Hey, Uber. Uh, you charged my wife $9,672 for a fare that was listed as $96.72, and there's no way to get in touch with you. Well, he uh, didn't immediately respond to a request for comment about his wife's Uber experience or whether the account had been refunded. The company admitted it had experienced a service interruption that resulted in a high amount um, being held on cards connected with Uber accounts, but that it had been fixed. It also said the riders would only be charged for the correct amount and that the company would work directly with banks to rectify the situation for their customers. Uber didn't uh, respond to questions from ABC News when asked about how long the glitch was in effect and how many people are impacted or what particularly went wrong. But if you've been riding an Uber, you might want to check that receipt and check your account rather carefully to make sure the decimal point, which matters, was in the right place. We're going to take a break for news and traffic here at the top of the hour. When we come back, I want to remind you that we're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to C.S. Lewis on stage. The most reluctant convert. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back. You're listening to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. Andy, uh, Andy West came in and brought the show to a... Stunning start. Thank you for orchestrating that, directing the whole thing in uh, in studio with Clark. Why? I have no idea. Why the two of them are in the engineer's booth, I couldn't tell you, but there they are. Well, welcome to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. Um, we're working our way through some of the lighter news stories we've collected over the last few days and just having a bit of uh, fun. Also, this hour, fairly soon, by the way, we're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to C.S. Lewis on stage. The performance is titled C.S. Lewis on Stage, The Most Reluctant Convert. It's going to be showing at the Newmark Theater on Broadway here in Portland on the 2nd and 3rd of August. And our tickets that we're giving away are for the Friday night performance. That's Friday, August the 2nd at 8 p.m. again at the Newmark Theater on Broadway. And by the way, the tickets will be picked up at will call. You don't need to come pick them up. You just need to have a valid ID Arrive no later than 30 minutes prior to the beginning of the show. So all you have to do is show up if you are the winner of uh, today's pair of tickets. We'll be uh, giving away tickets next week as well, at least for the first half of the week. So make note of it. Just before the break, we were talking about the importance of a decimal point when you're talking about billing someone. And Uber had a little bit of a problem. What was supposed to be at, what, $76 bill ended up being 
or $9,600 bill. So those things matter. Well, in Belfast, they held a marathon. I don't know if you've ever been uh, a participant in a marathon, but you don't want to take one more step than is necessary to complete that uh, that distance. 26.2 miles. That's what it is. 26.2. You don't want 26.7. You don't want 26.2.5. You just want to complete the uh, this designated course. Well, if thousands of runners who participated in this Belfast marathon felt as if the course just wasn't ending the way they intended, it just didn't seem right, organizers admitted the route was actually longer than it should have been. Now, for every one of you who've been in a marathon, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The organizers behind the race in Northern Ireland's capital city revealed that runners ended up running an extra 0.3 miles. So it was actually 26.5 miles. In a statement posted on Twitter, uh, the chairman of the Belfast Marathon Organizing Committee said approximately 460 additional meters were added to the officially measured uh, course. This was due to human error. Well, how else might it have happened? Unless Area 51 was involved with a lead car diverting uh, from the official route. Well, Seton, who... And this is the organizer who apologized for the mistake, sought to reassure participants that protocols will be put in place to ensure another mistake is avoided in future. We are in the process of adjusting runners' times to reflect the correct distance. So at least there's that. The race, which was being staged for the 38th time, took place on a new course that was set by the organizers to spur faster times. It was won by Kenyon's Joel something and Carolyn something else. According to the BBC, Seaton acknowledged to the BBC that the mistake may upset some competitors who see their times adjusted. I can understand if you have been aiming for a sub three hour marathon time and because of the mistake, you've ended up being just outside three hours on the clock. Um, that you're going to be a bit annoyed, and I'm sure some were. But overall, race officials claimed feedback on the new uh, uh, route was overwhelmingly positive. It drew 18,000 runners, walkers and wheelchair athletes. It was a rousing success with that one minor little adjustment that ultimately had to be made. Ouch. Well, you may have heard growing up that eating carrots will improve your vision. Well, I've since learned that the carrot eyesight uh, connection was part of World War II propaganda. Well, the British government credited carrots for helping Royal Air Force pilots hunt down German aircrafts at night, perhaps to encourage them to eat carrots. Well, eating carrots won't correct vision problems such as nearsightedness or farsightedness while consuming carrots will keep your eyes healthy and prevent vision loss, particularly if you have a vitamin A deficiency. Uh, they won't improve your eyesight. Now, you have carrots on a regular basis, don't you, Clark? He um, He's pretty predictable, very healthy. He eats well. Um, his snacks are vegetables, and at lunchtime, he always has celery and sometimes carrots. Is that part of your... Uh... Well, actually, I've been eating a lot of salads lately for lunch. Uh-huh. A lot of salads. Today, I had five chocolate chip cookies, though, that were in your studio. Yeah. Yeah. By the time I got to them, yeah. uh, there were just the, um, the oatmeal, oatmeal ra- raisin. Yeah. And I noticed they're really gone, good. too. You know, I literally took them around to the oh, okay. three people who are still here to make sure they weren't, because I was tempted to. And you see, I brought in a little bag of cherries. Yeah. That's a much yeah. better I ate option. all my healthy stuff, so I needed to eat a bakery. So did you eat celery today? No, I didn't. I used to eat a lot of carrots. Yeah. And I haven't eaten a lot of carrots lately, and I've been eating peppers and cucumber lately as opposed to celery. Really? After you eat celery for about seven or eight years every day, you get a little tired of it, I guess. Yeah. Celery, you know, I start, I went out and I bought celery 
um, because I see you eat it every day yeah. and I never think about, oh, I think I'll just have some celery. And it's just, it's kind of a plain vegetable, but I, I actually like it. Now, if you slather yeah. some peanut butter on it, I like it even uh, more, but... That's a little different. It's a little different, yeah. Anyway, I was just going to say that uh, I had carrots every day here for a very long time, but it hasn't fixed my eyesight. No, and neither will it, according no. to this new information. As a matter of fact, I now need reading glasses, so... <laughs> yeah, that's just a matter of the calendar. It has nothing to do yeah. with your carrots. If you needed glasses or contact lenses, um, eating extra carrots won't take care of the problem. Most eye issues are caused by genetics, aging diabetes, and a carrot's beta-carotene properties won't help. The beta-carotene converts into a form of vitamin A during digestion called um, retinol, R-E-T-I-N-A-L, which is important in maintaining normal vision, but it won't prevent all of the other stuff from happening, which is a natural part of inhabiting these human bodies. Now, we always talk about Guinness World Records. It's fascinating to me, the fact that people are so... um, committed to breaking records that nobody really knows about or barely cares about. But the Pope family has uh, kept a close eye on the length of uh, the horns of their pet. I guess, is, is he a bull? Is he a cow? I'm not really sure. Well, Poncho's horns. Do only bulls have horns? Can cows have horns? Anyway, waiting for them to expand long enough to break the record. They even checked previous steers' measurements to see uh, what they were uh, up against and noticed how much Poncho was growing for his age. Well, it's, he's a he, we know that much. Well, they were all nine and nine to 12 to 15 year old um, when they were measured for the world record and Poncho uh, much younger than that. He says there's no telling how much he'll grow. However, despite his uh, promising future, Poncho did not meet the record standards until days before Guinness verified his length this year. I measured him in April and he was uh, not above the world's record. He grew a half inch of horn length from April to May. And now Poncho, the Texas Longhorn, uh, is the world record holder. By the way, Poncho will turn seven years old on the 3rd of uh, October and is now the world record holder for the length in horns. Huh. I guess that's an accomplishment if you're a bull. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. And when we do return, we're going to give away a pair of C.S. Lewis on stage tickets. So stick around. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 19 minutes after 5 o'clock. You're listening to the fun Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. As promised, we want to give a pair of tickets uh, to you for C.S. Lewis on stage, The Most Reluctant Convert. The show is for Friday, August the 2nd, 8 o'clock p.m. at Newmark Theater on Broadway here in Portland. Tickets will be picked up at Will Call, so you need to do nothing but when uh, the most reluctant convert is adapted exclusively from C.S. Lewis writings and his journey from atheism to um, Christianity, from the death of his mother, his estranged uh, relationship with his father, to the experiences that led him to a vis- vigorous faith and, and to become one of the most vibrant and influential Christian intellectuals of the 21st centuries. Century. There's only one 21st century. Anyway, there are two performances. We're giving away a ticket for the Friday night performance, but there's also, if you'd like to purchase your ticket, Saturday uh, afternoon at 4, again at the Newmark Theater. We'd love to give a pair of tickets away to caller number 5 and the number to call 800-845-2162. 1-800-845-2162. Again, C.S. Lewis on stage, the most reluctant convert, Newmark Theater in Portland, on Friday, August the 2nd. It's going to be a great show. I'm going to be uh, there on Saturday night. So if you're there, 
um, and we see one another, do identify yourself. I'd love to say hello and maybe meet you or greet you for a second time. Who knows? Well, Amazon is selling chicken harnesses that help your chicken cross the road safely. We've all heard the question, why did the chicken cross the road? Well, we don't really know the answer. To get the the, uh, chicken harness from Amazon may, in fact, be the answer we've been searching for. It turns out a company called Yazido is selling colorful chicken harnesses that will help solve all your chicken walking needs. And you need to choose a color that matches your chicken the best. And I should mention that the harness also has a little bow tie um, cleverly placed in the appropriate location on the harness for your chicken. Well, the company says their chicken harnesses are fully adjustable and easy to wear, so your chicken is always comfortable no matter what. No more feeling uncomfortable, writes the company. You will not worry that the chicken will get rid of the harness when walking the chicken um, across the street. What they probably mean is your chicken won't cross the road until you let it. Teach your fowls to walk on a leash and find your peace of mind again. The company says, who knew chicken walking would uh, get so philosophical? Well, the harness and leash are made of durable and breathable mesh fabric that can withstand everyday use. I'm not sure how much the chicken's supposed to wear this thing, but you can choose from a variety of colors and all of them come with three sets of bow ties. So they're going to be walked in style. There's cool blue, there's purple, classy back, black, hot red. The company sells more chicken-related stuff like this stylish egg-gathering apron that has pockets all around. And it turns out it fits ducks, too. People on the Internet found the harness uh, rather amusing. John Paolo Ferris says, uh, great gift for Filipino dads. I don't get it, but he did. Another wrote, uh, "Ah, good morning, what you doing? Oh, nothing, just walking my chicken. Another, imagine all the people searching for the harness on Google to find this. Uh, for this emotional support rooster, right? Well, there you have it, a chicken harness to help you um, help your chicken cross the road safely with your able assistance. Well, a pair of penguins were detained by Wellington police yesterday morning after they were caught loitering beneath a sushi outlet. The birds, described by local authorities as waddling vagrants, had been spotted hanging near a Wellington train station around dawn before making their way to nearby Sushi Bai. A staff member later heard them making a cooing, humming sound beneath the shop and called the cops. This was not the first report police had received about the fishy birds. Wellington police revealed on their Facebook page, we received a call at about 8.40 p.m. on Saturday night of a penguin on the road in Featherston Street. Police responded and, with some help from members of the public, released the penguin, uh, described as little and blue, back into the sea. Then, the following day, 6.35 a.m., police received another report of the penguin, this time with a companion near Wellington Railway Station. The penguins, now plural, were temporarily detained by police before being released into, you guessed it, Wellington Harbor once again. But the owners of Sushi Bai told the local news last night that the birds had crossed busy streets between the harbor and the station to get back to the sushi bar. If only they had been wearing a harness. Well, the Department of Conservation eventually removed the birds for a second time. It's probably not the sashimi that keeps them coming back, though. Rather, it's thought that the birds have been hiding near the grills beneath the shop where it's warm. DOC Wellington Operations uh, Manager Jack Mace said the birds, which are quite common in Wellington Harbor, were probably pairing up in this time 
they would continue monitoring as time of year, rather, looking for a place where they could, well, lay their eggs. Uh, they're going to continue monitoring the site as they believe the penguins would likely try to return again. It's a natural characteristic of penguins. They will always return to where they possibly or see a possibility of nesting. So uh, the sightings will probably continue, and let's hope they can safely cross the road. When asked why did the penguin cross the road, the answer is most likely in order to lay their eggs. So at least you have the question, the answer to the question that nobody asks, replacing penguin for chicken. Some members of the United States House are concerned the Pentagon may have unleashed disease-infected ticks that caused the spread of Lyme disease. Now, while this is sort of a lighthearted story we wouldn't necessarily cover, it's actually a serious one. Roll call reports that on the 11th of July, the House stealthily decided via voiced vote to support an amendment to the 2020 defense authorization bill that would require the Department of Justice look into weaponized ticks. Lyme disease, they're suggesting that it may have been a development of the U.S. military, according to the Congress-focused newspaper. New Jersey Republican Representative Christopher Smith wrote the amendment, which uh, demands the inspector general shall conduct a review of whether the Department of Defense experimented with ticks and other insects regarding use of a biological weapon between the years of 1950 and 1975. If the review determines that such a project took place, then the amendment reportedly insists the inspector general must present Congress with information on the scope of the research, including whether any ticks or insects used for such experiments were released outside of any laboratory by accident or experiment design. Smith is the co-chairman of the Congressional Lyme Disease Caucus. Who knew? The Congressional Lyme Disease Caucus told Roll Call he hopes the inspector general will share information that sheds light on these reports and could be used to hinder the spread of Lyme disease, which is no joke, by the way. Lyme disease is very serious. However, I'm not sure how you explain to your young children, Daddy, what congressional committee do you serve on? The Congressional Lyme Disease Committee. It's important work. It just may not sound that way. We were talking earlier about some of the records that people are attempting to break in order to see their name up in light. Well, no, there are no lights. There's just a book that has to be purchased. And I suppose now there's a a resource online that you can reference. I don't know if you have to pay for that. But one grown man decided he wanted to break the longest toilet break record. Break record. Uh, In Belgium, he sat for five days in a bid to break that record. The Belgian man sat on a toilet for nearly five days uh, this week in a bid to do just that. Now, he was fully clothed. It was just a matter of sitting there for five hours in order to break a record because apparently he did not have more important things to do. Surely there's got to be at least something more important than that. But anyway, a seaside town in Wales boasts panoramic views of the ocean, a 13th century castle, and now the steepest street in the world. I know you thought it might be in San Francisco, but no, it is in a town in Wales. After a successful campaign by residents, Guinness World Records said Tuesday that the street in Ford Pen Lech, now it's F-F-O-R-D, Pen L-L-E-C-H, uh, in the seafront uh, town of Harlech, in North Wales, located 245 miles northwest of London, has the uh, gradient of 37.45%. 37.45. That is two percentage points steeper than Baldwin Street in New Zealand, which held the record for more than a decade. Now, the uh, record is measured based on the steepest, highest graded section over a 10 
uh, meter distance. If the average steepness is taken, you could have a road where one section is extremely steep, the rest is flat, which is not a fair assessment, according to Guinness World Record. The gradient is measured by taking the 10-meter uh, stretch road and dividing it by how much it rises and falls over the 10-meter distance. Okay, I'm already falling asleep, but anyway, this uh, New Zealand town has lost the record to a Wales town that now has the steepest street. I mean, it's almost like Apollo 11. I mean, just these things don't just happen. Oh, I guess maybe they do. Anyway, that's a uh, town's accomplishment. A hamlet in Switzerland and their Italian border uh, could offer the deal of a lifetime for house flippers. It's considering selling nine houses for just one Swiss franc each. Uh, by offloading the broken down stone dwellings and their properties for a little more than a dollar, um, uh, Skega or something like that, which sits about 70 miles north of Milan and 125 miles south of Zurich, hopes to bring people back to the rustic municipality. A buck. The catch is that prospective buyers would be required to renovate the properties to bring them up to code. Now, how much would that cost? I don't know. You make a dollar investment to own the property and then the rest is gravy, it seems to me. Well, the uh, town is located on the left side of the upper Valvadasca, a small hill. Uh, the online plan says in Italian, it is a mountain um, nucleus almost completely abandoned since the 1970s, but has maintained its original structure with traditional architectural elements. Many buildings are now in ruins, but in spite of this, it's a charming village worthy of protection. So if you've got a buck and maybe a couple of bucks for renovation, this may be the uh, house for you. They're selling nine of them for a buck. Huh. Depending on the outcome of the election, we might want to take, uh, take them up on that. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on a fun Friday afternoon. We'll be back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.